Filmcraft. The Filmcraft Podcast. Filmcraft. Filmcraft. The name is so like the name feels super right now. Mm-hmm. But for like six episodes, we have no idea what it was called. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a guest here today. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Cougar Bakarian. He played the lead in Party Stories. He's an awesome actor. Oh, thank you. And he's going to be the lead in our next movie, too. Spoilers. Yeah. Beautiful. No spoilers. No spoilers. Guys. No spoilers at all. No spoilers. Okay. So yeah, we wanted to have him on the show to talk about a whole bunch of things, um, mainly the actor's perspective on all this, because yeah. we've been through quite a bit with you. Um, I wanted to talk about one thing before we get to that, and it would be right before... Actually, let's go even further back. You moved to Vancouver from Edmonton. Yeah. So talk about the transition of saying, you know, I want to do acting, I want to be in film, and I can't do it here. So, like, yeah, what's well, your story, man? So I think it's... I mean, I think it's, it's kind of similar to a lot of actors' stories, especially when you grow up in a place where acting, especially for film and television, isn't really prevalent. Like, it's, it's just not around. You kind of just get to a point where you're like, you know, am I going to make the leap? I'm going to make the jump? And like, whether it be, like, L.A., Toronto... New York or Vancouver, you kind of, you get to that point where you're like, okay, if I'm ever going to make my career, like, go somewhere, I need to take that bigger step. And it's, you know, it's daunting. Um, For me, like, I came up kind of with reasons, like, I I set up uh, going to to school, VFS, uh, was kind of my way to get my parents convinced that I could move, because it'd be like, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll sign off on the loan, and then I'll be able to (laughs) actually move, and all that kind of stuff. However, like, you know... I mean, whether you go to school or not, like getting into a city where it's actually happening is probably one of the most important steps. Yeah. Um, because you just can't, like, unless you're making your own films and you have like a group of committed people, like you guys. Yeah. In a city where it's not happening, you're not gonna do it at all. Um, and I mean that's the big thing about being in these cities is that those people do amalgamate and like start creating, and then you just have a bigger opportunity to meet them. And yeah, for me it was. I was working at a dinner theater when I finally decided that I'd move. Tell them what that is, because you had told me this and I had never heard of it before. Oh yeah, so dinner theater, so I worked at Jubilations in Edmonton, but I guess dinner theater, I guess, I know, dinner theater essentially is, um, they put on a play, generally a musical, that's in three acts, and before and in between each of the acts you get like a part of a meal, so you get your appetizer, and then the first act goes, then you get your dinner, the second act goes, then you get dessert, then the third act goes, and then you all go home. Um, and my job was, I was a server slash ad cast, so additional cast member. So while I was serving my tables, taking orders and stuff, I was like kind of in the show. I just wouldn't appear on stage mm. while the show was going on, but I got to kind of pretend that I was a character and stuff, which was kind of fun. Yeah, was uh, it a good little introduction? Oh yeah. Well, like, cause I came from theater as well. So it's like, it's very showy, very big. Although once you, <laughs> once you move and do acting and film and stuff and kind of realize like what the professional basis is and then you go back to something like that in the town where it's not really like they don't follow the same rules like it's suddenly you're like okay we need to get some like <laughs> some rules here because like everyone just kind of goes off on their own tangents all the time and stuff mm-hmm. which is kind of like very odd book. but like and once you get used to a certain way of doing things like even moving to Vancouver like I was so used to everyone being so theater-esque and so big and vibrant stuff and coming here and learning that film is like, well, yes, you have that, but you don't show it that way. You gotta be more, like, way over the top. Otherwise, you're just not gonna look believable at all. Mm -hmm. 
which is kind of fun. But yeah, being I was being there or working there, and it kind of just a bunch of people that I was working with were saying, you know, you should really go do it. You should go act. You should be an actor. Like you seem to love it. You like doing it. It's like you really talk about it's fucking movies of this, movies of that. We're getting sick and tired of your conversation topics. <laughs> Fair enough. So I like looked up schools and stuff, and I was going to apply for the U of A because um, they have a pretty good theater program That'd be there, Alberta, right? Yeah, University yeah. of Alberta. And then uh, I ended up finding VFS kind of by accident, but I had heard of it because of Kevin Smith. Oh, I yeah. listened to his podcast for like the longest time. And I was like, you know, like I know he dropped out like within like a month, but like mm-hmm. I figured I'd give it a try for the acting stuff and like signed up, they accepted me. It was kind of cool and then got everything together, moved, did it. And it was awesome and kind of started my actual film on screen journey. Sweet. Do you remember one specific memory where you said it's time to move or it was a, a much more gradual process yeah actually it probably would have been like the day that i got the email back that said like i got accepted to be a best because i actually didn't even think it was going to happen mm-hmm. it was like i had done the audition video and like filled out all the applications and gotten reference letters from people and submitted it and then i was like well you know it's an acting school i'm not like from like necessarily like a big acting background and stuff so there's probably a little chance but to my surprise, like, got in. I got a call back and stuff, and they're like, yeah, I should come on down, we'll put you in this class, this date. Like, I started in October, which was kind of cool, because mm-hmm. it's like, so my summer vacation's actually going to be, or rather my, like, when I graduate, will be summer. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, my summer vacation was actually winter, which is kind of convenient to go home for Christmas, but... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Coming out of film school, what do you feel like you learned from that experience? What was, like, the best... Was it, like, useful for you, or how did you find film school? Um, It was up and down, back and forth a lot. Like, there were a lot of lessons that I got really frustrated at, because there's a whole lot of, like, you know, you got to do A and B and C, and then you'll do that, and you'll go home and rehearse to come back. Like, I don't see your A and your B, and you're like, I don't know what that fucking means. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, like, you're not on your breath, and you're not doing this, and I don't feel your intention on your adverb, and all that kind of crap, and, like... Uh, most of my learning, uh, came, like, after I graduated, uh, when I started, like, going through, like, real-life experiences, tough, right. and, like, being in a relationship, having a breakup, getting in another one, having another breakup, like, that kind of stuff, like, kind of brought up the actual emotional aspects of my real life, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I could start applying it to the lessons that I did learn in school, and I got to pick and choose which ones made sense to me, which ones didn't, which ones worked for me the best, and honestly, like, in the long run, like, acting is just being truthful like under false circumstances and stuff like mm. director says you know you just shot a guy you have to act devastated because of this and you just kind of like just say yes and you're just like okay fuck. like if I shot someone like in real life like you're not being goofball I'd be like okay in my head a lot like oh my god fuck fuck shit shit what do I do but like in real life you don't do those screaming things that you do when you're in school like everyone's yeah. like when you get angry everyone jumps to like yelling because it's like you're loud and scary and stuff but like I think when a lot of people are mad, they get quiet and they like get really avoiding and defensive and stuff. It's, you're finding that kind of stuff, that realistic uh, expectation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We got someone shoveling in the background now. This is a guy shoveling outside our window during the podcast. Yeah. Just that other window. At least we think it's a guy shoveling. Could be a small gnome trying to clock, climb the side of the house or something. It might, yeah. might be because I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like a gremlin. <laughs> Just like a mini grappling hook fly up on the window. What are those, uh, those crystals called again? 
J.O. crystals? J.O. crystals. Fuck. You guys know what J.O. crystals are? <laughs> They're terrible. Okay, so Matt was looking on Craigslist for something, and then he's found this picture of a dude who's like half naked, and he had like a <laughs> necklace on. I already know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he, he was talking about something called J.O. crystals. And what J.O. crystals are? Google it. Well, J.O., first of all, like... J.O. If you don't already have an estimate of what that means... Yeah. <laughs> Think sexy. And it said it gave him sexual powers. Because <laughs> what, what else would, right? Like, could, like what, what was the post? I'm going to find it. I'm just going to read it. Okay, we're going to read this post about J.L. Crystals. It's beautiful. Okay, Probably so make your day better. The title of the post is Charge Up in J.O. 38 Houston. And it's a guy that kind of looks like a younger dog the bounty hunter. Like, he's... Got a shirt off, he's pretty hairy, he's got the barbed wire tattoo around one arm and a beard. Looks like he's in a trailer of some kind. <laughs> and uh, then there's a picture of a crystal hanging from a necklace. And it says, the crystal I wear around my neck contains an essence that gets recharged on a jacket with a bro who also has a crystal. <laughs> Gives me confidence at work, home, so and social situations. <laughs> Nobody knows it's a jail crystal but me and my bros. I've seen it glow white while jerking it with a bud. That's how I know it's real. <laughs> I think everybody knows now, bud. You can come over for as long as you want, but I need a picture of you, preferably wearing a crystal before I waste my time. <laughs> Jeez. So basically, I'm guessing this guy... It's a confidence booster is what it yeah. is. This episode brought to you by J.O. Crystals. Oh, God. I <laughs> that was our sponsorship. I wonder how much they pay me. Nothing. <laughs> just like three of them. <laughs> they just give you free J.O. crystals. They invite you to the events. I think I think it's more of like a, a placebo. Like mm. you you J.O. and then you get like a boost of like testosterone and it makes you feel like extra high. Wouldn't you just get that from J.O. and That's the whole thing, right? <laughs> but he thinks it's the crystal, but it's really just the action of J.O.ing. <laughs> But it's not the crystal at all. I think it glows away. Just white. the endorphins that release. You capture them in the crystal, I guess. Do you guys yeah. ever hear of the cracker game? No. No? I feel like that's kind of racist towards me. But... We're all white. Well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm white too. White power, fellas. <laughs> oh my god. Just for, just to note, Latif is not white. <laughs> it's like that episode of Dave Chappelle, The Black White Supremacist. Yeah, yes. so good. Yeah. So uh, good. Alright, so anyways, this cracker game. We'll get back to the real podcast. <laughs> but it's a type of hazing ritual. You hear it with hockey teams all the time. You get the, the rookies together and you put a cracker on a table. And then you tell all the rookies oh, to jack off no. the cracker. And the last one to no, no, come no. has to eat the cracker. That's disgusting. I know, isn't that sick? That's not... Like, if I went into uh, a room... you. It's like I got called into Warner Brothers and they were like, six new directors, here's the cracker. I'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. We'll give you a multi-million dollar deal. I just, no. You know what? They'd all start looking at each other and then once one of them just starts going at it, the rest will be like, no, that's my fucking deal. My cracker. It's Can you like, imagine if they played it like six or five times until there was only one guy left and that's who got the job? That's sick. That is sick. That's gross. But by the fifth time, you probably wouldn't produce very much. No, that game's just lasting way too long. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I guess you kind of want to wait until the last round, right? Because whether you win or lost versus you and another guy, you'd be so tapped out that you're like, well, it's not going to be that bad, right? You know, I feel like all these little things stem from cults. Oh, yeah, probably. Totally. You know? like totally. there's it, That's like the culture. It com- the cult culture is where it comes from. Cult culture? Yes. Culture? Culture. Culture. 
Yeah. Well, right back to the podcast. <laughs> so off track. So one thing that I do want to ask you about, Cougar, mm. uh, we talked about it the other day, how you have kind of come to a realization about acting, and you were talking about you know acting school and being on your breath and all of those little yeah. very technical things that you don't think necessarily apply. Yeah. Uh, explain what we're talking about. Well, I guess... I mean, it's something that I thought was true for a really long time, and I think it's really easy to get young actors, new actors, to think is true. Um, it's just this whole idea that there's this mystical process that you need to go through to become a good actor. Like, as if, like, you wouldn't be able to get there any other way unless you do, like, you know, you go over your script, like, 100 times. If you go over it 100 times, then, you you know, it's, it's you in your body. Something. And, like... You have to practice your breath stuff every morning and every night. You got to shake your body out and like, you have to put an action word behind every single one of your lines to make sure it's correct or it works well, or else people won't see the truth behind all this kind of stuff. And like, like I I can understand why that's maybe a little appealing. It makes it seem like, well, if I do all this work, then I'll be a good actor. But I just don't think that that's real realistic because if you're looking for getting to the truth of the scene, the truth of being a character. I mean, if you do that in real life, like, you'd be the fakest person imaginable. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't go to a funeral and be like, all right, well, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go up to my aunt, and then uh, I'm going to have one tear come out, and then I'm going to hug her, and I'm going to make sure I'm really, really sad when I say this line about this story about the person who passed away, and then I'm going to laugh at this to make sure, like, I'm seeing like a... And it's just all this bullshit, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, it would come across as you being just this fake person. I do that. And like, as much as I... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, sometimes I prep myself to... The thief is sweating so hard. They figure me out. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I do that a little sometimes, just to really sell a situation. Right. I'll be like, listen, guy, I, I really need this backpack, you know? <laughs> you know, for bargaining and stuff. But, fair, fair. Yeah. But not in everyday life. But not for acting. Time. No, no, what, acting. And that's what I mean. Like, I mean, because uh, there's this thing I heard of, like, the deal, like, like, say I wanted you to go into a bar and convince every single person at that bar that you were drunk off your ass. You hadn't had a single drink. And if you could convince everyone, if not a single person doubted you, I'd pay you like $15,000 in cash, tax-free. You'd probably be able to do it pretty easily, no? Yeah. And you had no practice. You had yeah, no practice, no nothing. Yeah, it's expected. And I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Like, I've given you something to do, and you can just do it. Like, you just understand what to do, right? Like, and so I think that's kind of the thing with acting. Like, as much as I understand, yes, like, Go over your script. Know your lines. Obviously, that makes sense. Know, know what your intention is. Um, but I don't think you need to do all this middle work, like these hours of ridiculous, like breath exercises, as if that's going to make you a better actor. Like it's, it's not. Like you just understand what you're talking about and be able to argue it all day long. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be the lawyer of your character. Right. Like someone would be like, "Well, what about this?" You'd be like, "Well, fucking this." Mm-hmm. I just. Like, have an answer. Like, honestly, like, if, if someone were to say, like, like, and even think about arguing it, too, it's like, someone's like, you know, it's like, I don't like cats. It's like, why don't you like cats? It's like, well, fuck you, I don't like cats. Like, it's, what is this, an interrogation? Like, I don't <laughs> have to explain to you I don't like cats, I just don't. I could actually just love cats, and I do love cats. Mm. I'll have you know. But, my point is, like, just believe in what you're saying, really. Mm-hmm. Feel it. Yeah. Do it. Just, yeah. Yeah, honestly, just do it. In a, in a way, that's not too different from trying to be, like, a, I think, a good cinematographer. A lot of the times, uh, especially in the early stages, there's so many little things that you're trying to, like, drill into your brain. And 
it depends on your process like you'll need to know what's important to you but at the very high levels you're not really thinking about all that stuff and you're not responsible for all that stuff you just have to be the judge of what's uh, appropriate like yeah. at the highest level of cinematography you're just you're just being a curator for the best images right and so. I imagine like in both circumstances it's one of those things where you learn every little bullet point of doing that but then if you focus too much on them your craft becomes fake like for acting you'd yeah. be like well I'm supposed to feel this here so I really gotta sell it and it, as the audience would be like he's acting and for cinematography if you're like yeah, well I don't know much about <laughs> cinematography but if you're like this light should be doing this because that's what that book said that one time <laughs> well no that's exactly it I think that's the the trap people fall into yeah much they like, think you have to do it a certain way yeah because it's the only way or something but if it's not working then yeah you I mean have, to have the courage to try something else there's, right? there's like for example there's lighting diagrams available for like major films mm-hmm. all over the place on the internet and you could take that and, and replicate it and get the exact same look from a certain movie if you're able to get the gear or something similar but in reality like you don't want to just steal someone else's plan and yeah and do it because you're you're giving something that no one else can you're giving a flavor of yourself and a mm-hmm. bit of style that not that can't really be replicated so you shouldn't be trying to do something not authentic yes yeah. well yeah uh, absolutely like I think like there is no acting gene like there's like the, the only thing keeping people from like I guess uh, being an actor being anything they want really is just their own thought process of being like I can't do this Mm -hmm. and then they come up with a plethora of reasons why they can't do it but you could also come up with a billion reasons why you could or you could just do it because you want to do it and like and that's the big thing for for actors too is like going to school is great learning is great because there are techniques that you can learn that help and like getting yourself out of your comfort zone is probably like a a major key element in being an actor because you have to do things that are going to be uncomfortable and your character's going to have to seem like they're comfortable with it, maybe. I don't know. Um, but for the most part, like, every individual has their own uniqueness. Like, yeah. you're literally the only you that there is or ever will be. Like, yeah. it's physically impossible for there to be another one of you. So why not just bring yourself to the table? Uh, especially when you like you're acting. And anything you do, like, you have a unique thing that you can do. And it's not a matter of questioning the universe, being like, what is it? How do I find it? Just start doing stuff, and you will find it. Like... Mm. The more you start doing, the more you, the less you're afraid to make mistakes too. Like, if you make mistakes, you learn why you thought it was a mistake, why you didn't like it, and it's, yeah, just believing in yourself, doing your own thing. Like, mm-hmm. and eventually you'll just start meshing with people. Like, yeah. Okay, I got some like a, a bit of a nerdy question. Like, if you do a short film or a commercial or a feature film, do you watch yourself and kind of yes what you're doing? Absolutely. Um, I mean, wait, wait, do you mean in the moment or when it's done? No, no, when it's done. Because some okay. people don't even watch their work after it's done. Yeah. Because they hate watching it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not at a point yet where I, where I feel comfortable enough to like not see what I've done. Right. Because I'm just <laughs> like, obviously, I'm not in like major motion pictures. Yeah. I'm not on TV. Well, you're in Planet of the Apes. Well, yeah. As like I yelled <laughs> once, but like I mean, that's fair point. But um, no, I just yeah. Uh, Kind of like any like sports player or anything like you know you rewatch the tape and like take notes on yourself because right. you as much as like a lot of people will be their worst critic you can also be your best teacher as well because uh, you get to see what you've done that no one else can see so if like 
you know, like it's great when you watch a movie and someone's like, you know, like no one has any notes. Not like, you know, you did amazing, like it's a perfect thing, but you've seen like 10 things that you do wrong. Right. I'd say take both notes. Be like, okay, everyone thinks I'm doing really, really well. I'm noticing this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to improve those? And don't just sit and wallow and like, oh, that was terrible and I'm going to be good. Just be like, okay, that didn't work. Let me change it up. And if the response is good from everybody and it feels good for yourself, then you're probably in the, headed in the right direction. Right. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I, I, I definitely, I love watching anything I've done, awesome. whether it's cringeworthy or not. Like I just, yeah. like I've seen some like tapes of like my hip hop videos when I was like 13 and I'm just like, oh God. <laughs> I need to see those. But Can you elaborate on hip hop videos? <laughs> oh, like, so I was 13 and I joined a hip hop group, all Dan- girls. Dance crew? Yeah. All girls. They were all 16. And when you're 13 and girls are 16, that's a huge gap. Uh, and very little interest. So, you know, there's that. So I was like, kind of the cute little trophy boy mascot of the group for whatever reason. But anyway, we, we did this competition at Edmonton. And, of course, someone recorded the entire thing. And then uh, I only saw the tape once. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah you get, I got that weird feeling you get when you watch something that you've done that you don't like. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. Yeah, if I can find the tape, yeah, sure. Do it. Do it. I have similar experiences. I used to dance before I got into film and stuff, like professionally. Yeah. And I've seen plenty of videos of myself performing. And, you know, gradually it gets better, but at first you're like, oh, God. (laughs) I think it's something everyone goes through, too, when you first see yourself, not from your own, like, headspace. Like, Mm. uh, I've heard, like... I think everybody I know has at least at one point said like I hate my voice and it's like Man. yeah it's probably because it's the first time you've heard it yep. well like, have you it takes a Matt, long time when we started doing this Matt was like I hate the sound of my voice yeah I'm used have, to it now you're used to it now right? yeah, yeah, yeah totally. you're like oh I don't sound that crazy I mean don't get wrong if someone came up to me and they're like take this pill you sound like Morgan Freeman I would do it <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have the we'd all do that <laughs> but, that'd be super weird million though. dollar idea for someone out there if you can make a pill that makes you sound like Morgan Freeman I would hate that though all I'm thinking of right now is the Bioshock game. Have you ever played that? Oh, the first one? Where you become so. a big daddy yes. and you have to get your voice box followed out. You walk up to like this thing that basically looks like beaters for eggs <laughs> on a wall and it just goes down your throat and hollows out your voice box. <laughs> so you can talk. No, so you can't talk. So Plus you sound you like a fucking balloon monkey. Oh, God. <laughs> Sweet, though. You should Google it. But you imagine that? Like, everyone, like, people can just have that choice to sound like Morgan Freeman. Everyone would do it, so even though I'm in conversation. I wouldn't. Well, that's, that's the thing. You're out on a date, and it's like, oh, you look nice, Candace. She's like, wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Candace, you too? Oh, wait, it's my mom calling. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's an idea for a mini. Maybe a short series where like everyone sounds like Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. oh, crazy. Freeman. We should yeah. just do a little skit where this is like little pill that people take and they just sound like Morgan Freeman. That'd be awesome. We'd have to get him to do the voiceover though. Yes. Oh, we get someone who can do a good Morgan Freeman. That's true. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I say we just get Morgan Freeman. I'm I'm sure he'd you know what? I feel like we should we know him, right? We should just make a little one minute skit about this for the podcast listeners. People who listen will get this little mini Morgan Freeman skit at some yeah. point. I'm going to try to go viral and someone will find it. <laughs> Alright, so, yeah, moving on. You're in Vancouver. Mm. Uh, we've gone over your film school experience. Yeah. So the next thing I want to touch on is not giving up. 
because you shared a very interesting story with me lately. So fill yeah. in the audience. Probably like the only way to success in anything is just to not give up, especially, especially, especially when it looks like you are not going to succeed. Like that is when it looks like everything is failing, everything is falling apart, and there's no possible way. That is like the single most important moment for you to be like, I am not going to quit. And for me, that just like I just happened to get pulled out of the water at that moment because because the first time I've ever I ever heard from Matt met him was uh, it was like I graduated a year before I think from DFS from DFS and like I'd been living just with my girlfriend and like I had not been getting any auditions like agents weren't calling me back at all I wasn't doing any acting work at all I was just working at a shoe shop in the back as a stock boy which was fucking depressing <laughs> like awful stuff and I just I mean I know there's worse things but for me it was terrible um, and so I kind of made the decision like I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna give up I'm gonna I'm gonna move back to Edmonton and like you know pay off my debt and just I don't know figure a new career I guess and then like God, a week so before I was gonna start booking the flights and stuff I got a was it an email? Yeah, no it was a Facebook yeah. It was an email. One of the two. A message. Um, yeah, I mean, like, hey, uh, Cougar, I saw your your face on Casting Workbook, and I was wondering if you wanted to read a script and uh, audition for me, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I am on the brink of just giving up. You were about to buy a flight yeah. back home, right? Yeah, I was okay. like, I was so close, and I was like, yes, definitely. <laughs> and it was actually funny enough, because... I hadn't even gotten through, like, a page of the script, and I was like, I don't even give a fuck. I'm saying yes to this. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm turning this down. And, like, sure enough, like, I, I went through the whole thing. I was I was helping my cousin out. He had had, he had me as, as a PA on Supergirl. Because, like, lucky enough, he was getting paid enough for me to kind of just shadow him. Mm-hmm. And so that whole night, because I was sitting by the crafty tent, that's where they put me, which was beautiful, because I just got to eat food all night and read the script. So I like I read the entire, the entire party story script. Uh, ate a whole bunch of bagels, and like how many bagels can you eat? Oh, in a fifteen-hour day, a lot. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and then yeah, and then the next, well, I think I sent you an email that night saying, like, yeah, I'd love to do a Skype audition, love the script. Yeah. And then like so we did the audition and stuff, and he had me do a couple parts, like uh, one of more emotional, one that was a little more happy, and like. You liked it. I don't know. If, did you cast me like right on the spot there? I think you did. Uh, so basically, like from my end of it, it was really hard casting that part. And it was pretty late in the process too. I was getting worried we weren't going to find anyone, but I didn't want to just give it to someone. And you were the last audition in a day of pretty much just auditions for that character. And none of them had gone that well. Uh, same with you. I was like, fuck, this isn't going to be good. I should give up. And then... Uh, you started talking as soon as you started the lines. I'm like, all right, this guy's got it. He's like, perfect. But in that situation, uh, I still have to make sure you're cool. So like, I made you do a couple others <laughs> and like gave you some notes, even though you didn't need them, just just to make sure you wouldn't freak out or something. <laughs> and then I can't remember if I offered it to you in the same Skype session, but if I didn't, I would have hung up, called the chief, said I found the guy, and then messaged you right away. Do you right. remember which it was? I think you did. I think you got me like on the spot. Like I think after those like series of questions, mm-hmm. right before you hung up, you're like, yeah, well, I, you have the part. Like yeah. I don't think anyone else is gonna be as good as this. So I was like, I was like, what? Like <laughs> for feature? <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, cool. It's good that school, you know, worked. Cause... Did you do like the schoolgirl thing? Like you hit end and then just. Ah! 
oh, I, I, I think I was just quiet for the rest of the night because I couldn't <laughs> believe that I got into something. I was just like, because my girlfriend wasn't even home that day either. Like I had like hung up the Skype call. I think I just threw on Netflix. I was watching San Junipero from uh, Black Mirror. Okay. And I just sat on my bed and I was just like, huh. <laughs> like <laughs> that was a close one. <laughs> and then it was so quick too because we started filming like a month or like a month and a half later yeah something like, like we did like the table rate oh fuck and I I felt so bad too <laughs> and um, table rates yeah. well even before that because I did like I had no idea what like this like the professional world was like or anything mm. so like I'd like I'd say things about the character and then immediately I'd be like oh god wait can I am I allowed to judge the character am I allowed to say things like that and I'd be like and like you were like busy getting shit together, mm. so there'd be like a, day, a time when I text you and you wouldn't text back for four hours. And much like you know when you first meet a girl, she doesn't text back. She's like, "I'm sorry, did I offend you? Like, <laughs> I was, like I didn't mean anything personal. I was just like I'm trying to be." And you're like texting me back, like, "Don't worry about it. Like it's fine." <laughs> and then the night of the table read uh, was awesome. Like you had like tons of free beer. Yeah, so we used that as a table read slash like promo video slash everyone getting to know each other and we drank a lot. Yeah, so like I had like two beers during the script and I was, I didn't even notice till like after I'd finished my second beer, but like everyone had kind of been like halfway through the first. And I was like, it's hot that everyone's drinking so slow. Like I feel like kind of like I'm just being maybe inappropriate, I don't know. So I kind of like stopped after that, we finished the script. And then the camera started rolling and we started playing like uh, drinking games and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it started getting really fun like having a party with all these cast members you know it was, it was great and then we started doing the Wrath of Khan drinking game and like I think five minutes went by and then I didn't remember anything except for my head in the toilet <laughs> vomiting very aggressively and then waking up and my girlfriend being very angry with me and then texting being like I am so sorry that I got that drunk. Yeah. Like, I remember getting that text and you were all apologetic and I'm like, dude, don't worry, it's awesome. Like, <laughs> like we, we gotta use this. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's called Party Stories. <laughs> Party. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's and uh, and not giving anything away um, for this, but like it's been very interesting too because because I had met everyone so quickly and like gotten to know them through that party and then like through shooting and stuff. This time. He's talking about for a second with the upcoming yeah. one. So now I'm like, now you guys catch me like right at the beginning of the entire process. Yeah, before even writing. And like, yeah. I I still haven't met anybody. Like I, I've seen them on Skype. That's intentional though. For a talking <laughs> thing. And yeah, yeah, true. But it's just so bizarre to know that like, I'm going to be doing like all this rehearsal-ish, like I guess knowing my lines on my own. And I'm not even going to meet Rachel until like... Mm. What, like three weeks from now? Yeah, so basically yeah. there's a reason story-wise, but we're keeping Cougar away from the rest of the cast. Yeah. It's just something I've chosen to do in directing. But uh, I guess in that way it kind of mirrors party stories because you sort didn't of. meet any of them until last minute. True. It be the same with this, but now like but we've had a lot time more time. collaboration yeah. in writing and script and story and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, something so. I wonder if like... Because like, I have heard of like things where uh, romantic movies and stuff like done like just on the big screen and stuff same way like some actors just don't they don't have time to meet each other because they're working mm -hmm. on so many other projects and like you don't really get that time to rehearse with another actor until you're on screen and you'll come into the problem where like actors fucking hate each other <laughs> and they're like and they're like all right Gwyneth Paltrow you gotta make out with Robert Downey Jr. it's like great again <laughs> that's 
So yeah, talk a little bit about um, just the difference between being cast late in the game in terms of collaboration with the material versus being cast before we even wrote the first draft. Um, well, it's interesting because, like, I mean, obviously, I feel a lot more comfortable with you guys. Um, yeah, because there's like together on before, and like, um, I kind of understand that you guys don't take offense to notes. to things like yeah. it's, you know, it's the whole point is to get these notes into to kind of work together to make a bigger mm-hmm. project or yeah. I remember well-rounded. when I gave you the first draft, it, same with when I gave everyone the first draft, I was really worried that people were just going to be like, oh yeah, it's great. And like, I don't like that. I'm like, give me some notes. So when you had like a big thing of notes, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had like, I took a notebook out and I was like, I really wanted to, because this was also like a, a role that I've always wanted to try to do too. So I was like, mm-hmm. definitely wanted to throw in my ideas for something like this. And that was also, I like, still have that tentative stuff when you're like, you know, give me all the notes you got. And I was like, all right, just don't yell at me if you don't like one of them. What the fuck, But yeah, like, I just, I've had so much time to not only go through my own, like, personal shit now, like. Because mm-hmm. um, we've been working on this for over a year now. Yeah, but it's like, I've, I've had so many things happen in between the time that I got cast and now that I can use in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's upsetting that I can't be specific, but... <laughs> One day, we'll do a follow-up podcast where you yeah. can be very specific. Um, but yeah, no, it's a lot of time to, to like, plan, um, you know, a lot of time to do voice work and put, like, action words behind all of my sentences and really, you know, get, you know, shake my body out and, like, do yeah. <laughs> Make sure you're on breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's awesome. Like, I... I'm feeling more and more like a professional actor like the more I get to do this kind of stuff and it's honestly that's the thing too like it goes back to that perseverance like you just keep going even when times are tough and when nothing looks like it's ever going to pan out because mm-hmm. then you'll find it and then you'll be grateful that you stuck to it like yeah. it's so much more rewarding it's like just having a big role like this is thank you guys that's it's like man. awesome like yeah, I remember when we were uh, I could when we were talking about the idea after I pitched it to Latif, we were talking about who the leads could be. And uh, it's like, well, who could we get for this one? And like, we had looked at a bunch of headshots or something. Yeah. Nothing was really like jumping out. It's like, well, what about Cougar? Yeah. Cougar <laughs> could totally do it. <laughs> no, that was a pretty awesome call, too. Just be like, hey, do you want to be a lead in a movie? I'm like, sure. <laughs> okay, we don't have a script written. Oh, <laughs> here's the idea. Here's the rough sketch of the character. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can definitely do that. I mean, like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, so cool. Yeah, we're so close to jumping into. Yeah. How many months has it been now? It's almost thirteen months. Yeah, last it was last summer when we were finishing up party stories. We were figuring out the next thing. Yeah, it was right after I got married because I remember I had this idea when we wrapped party stories and I like to forget my ideas and if they keep coming back that's why they're, they're worth exploring so I said if this keeps coming back right after I get married which was June or sorry May 10th um, I'm going to pitch this to Latif so as soon as I got back from Mexico get married I was like alright Latif here's the idea so it's been yeah almost like one year to the day and when we shoot it next month it'll be like 13 months after yeah amazing it's pretty quick turnaround for a year goes fast for filming yeah. Yeah. yeah and like in between films for sure like I don't think we had overlap like that especially when you're working with no budget like yeah. you hear it in 
big films all the time. Like, you know, Brad Bird was supposed to do Star Wars 7, and he was doing another one, so he overlapped. He didn't end up doing it, but you'll yeah. hear shit like that all the time. And to have a movie this small of scale where we overlap, it's like... Yeah. It's ambitious. Yeah. Well, I think it's because we were controlling most of the process. Mm-hmm. We're not, like, handing it over to someone and just, like, hoping they figure it out. I think when you take control of most of the, the work, mm-hmm. you, you can streamline the process. You don't have to, like, go from person to person yeah, for everything. Yeah, that's the thing, too. We're not relying on anyone. Like, there's no, you know, Jim in Arizona. When are you going to be done the script? Oh, next week, and then three weeks later, it's not done. It's, like, it, it's all in our hands, pretty much. Yeah. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm really goddamn tired. It's <laughs> a lot of work. But it's no, we, working out yeah. very well. And that, that's the thing, too. Like, having Cougar here, you know pretty close to shooting we're still doing some final adjustments to the script mm-hmm. and just a few days ago even we sat we, we took the whole day just doing like camera tests mm-hmm. going to locations and then at the end of the day we sat down and we talked about the script and went through some some uh, adjustments for some scenes yeah. but having Cougar here to bounce ideas off of was super useful yeah and it's something I definitely recommend I've heard people say before like they don't talk to their actors about this kind of stuff why? Actors have a really good sense for this. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to you whether you use the notes or not, but, like, ask them. And especially when we're this close to shooting, I've told everyone, you know, the fifth draft is done, the sixth draft is shooting draft. So to get in a room with as many people as you can and say, you know, final notes, let's get this together because it's shooting time, it's, it's a really good thing. Yeah, it's those moments when you're like, you know, this is it. Like, don't be shy to say anything that you haven't mm-hmm. been saying for the last... Cause yeah, and that happened on Party Stories, too. You remember, uh, we won't name the person, but had a uh, thought on that line, and they were like, can we change this? But oh, it yeah. popped up later in the movie, Right. and I was like, you really should have told me sooner, like months ago, because I could have written around it, but now it's like, it's baked in, we can't change it in this one scene, because we reference it later and later. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're an actor, or just anyone working on a film, and someone's telling you, Give me all the notes you can. Don't hold back. They really mean give you all the notes. No time to be shy. Not in this industry at all. Like, yeah, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Because you never know. Yeah, those are probably the best things Jesus said. (laughs) Ask for forgiveness, not permission. I think Jesus said that, right? Jesus said a lot of shit. <laughs> they probably said something contradicting that. It's time to turn a wine from water, and I, I don't know. Jesus grabs the shotgun. He's like, ask for. <laughs> what is he hanging out with Chris Rock? And it's like, do you know how to use one of these? Chris Rock pulls out a dew. He's like, do you know how to use one of these? <laughs> We're Family Guy, the little skit where he's got like machine guns and like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so hard too. Santa or Santa. And- Jesus always oh, like get guns and fuck people <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, do you have any other thoughts, whether it be acting, filmmaking, combining the two, anything the audience would find useful? Uh, if you if it's a career choice that you want to do, uh, professionally or just on your own time, just do it. Like don't let anything anyone uh, give you an excuse or reason not to, because there's an excuse and reason not to do anything. Uh therefore an excuse and reason to do anything and you should always pick the option of doing because um, it's going to give you the most forward momentum and even if you make a mistake make something crappy like that's just one more step towards making something great mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously, this is my, my two cents, but I find, especially in the early stages for any position in the film industry, um, mainly like the key roles where you're doing directing, camera, cinematography, uh, production design, screenwriting, or if you're trying to be an actor, I find the, the best way to really start getting your, your feet wet. It's not worrying about getting like paid gigs, but more mm. about getting the experiences, hooking up with people at the same level as you and collaborating to make work. So if you're an actor looking for some projects rather than going to auditions for like things that you probably wouldn't get unless you're really lucky or really good, you want to collaborate with a director who just wants to make short films and be like, hey, let's work on some films together. Let's knock out a bunch of smaller projects together. Yeah. Because you'll get a lot of experience, but also you'll you'll become a little more um, tuned to just how it, how it goes. I think that adds more value on your reel as well. Yeah. There's a question. When I contacted you for part series, did I tell you it was the lead or was I just like, do you want to read it? read for this character what did I tell you yeah no well essentially that was kind of it you were like um, yeah do you do you want to read for a character in, in the script and you, I was like yes absolutely you gave me the script and you said it was Jake mm. and so I read his parts and I kind of noticed he was like popping in a lot throughout <laughs> the script and I was like that's a lot of lines yeah. and uh, and then yeah once we did the thing you were like yes essentially like it's Jake's story like it's kind mm. of from his point of view and I was like oh shit like that's <laughs> game on pretty amazing like for a first film. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, lucky, lucky. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess before we take off, I'll, I'll ask you a question. What was the most difficult scene for you to do? And what was your favorite scene to do in the start, in the movie? The most difficult scene to do? Um, it's actually one that I still, like, uh, it comes back to that you saying about uh, rewatching your stuff was uh, when I'm sitting beside Pender and I'm being all mopey. And being like, why do you think she came here tonight? Do you think she came to talk? Every time I see that, I'm always like, fuck six, Cougar. Like, be more of a whiny baby. Like, just... Like, I could have done that, like, in a better way, mm-hmm. in my opinion, but... So that was one that I just... Ugh. It was tough. Yeah. Okay. Um, but my favorite one... I think I would have actually liked the argument the most. Outside? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um... Ironically enough, actually talking with Zoe. Right. Um, apparently talking about her wasn't good, but <laughs> talking to her, I, I got to let some frustrations out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when we shot that scene, it's an argument, and uh, we were inside the house, and actors started coming up to me being like, wow, they're like really shouting at each other. <laughs> like, yeah, they're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the goal, right? If you're doing a fight scene, you want to make sure everyone on set's being like, are they okay? Like, should we? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I got to smoke so much. <laughs> yeah, if we made people smoke a lot in that movie, Diego actually threw up after the first night because he smoked so many cigarettes I and he's not a smoker. <laughs> Never mind, I changed my answer. That was my favorite scene because there were so many bumpers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we still have to get that out. I have to see it. Oh. So Diego is from Mexico and there was this one line that just did not work with his accent. He kept talking too fast and tripping over his words. Well, it was like a pitter-patter monologue, too. <laughs> like, it was like, da 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 And he kept trying to do it. It was just like, there's no way. <laughs> and he just kept, yeah, he kept freaking out when he couldn't do it, very comically. Yeah. But the one time he got it, you just couldn't keep it together. Well, I was trying to keep it together through, like, so many, so many takes. Like, I think we'd done, like, five or six at that point, and finally it was just like, like I just I, I wouldn't even be able to believe it if he could have made it through 
that's not true. I could believe it. But like, it was just like all of that had been building up and I'd been trying not to laugh. And so finally he gets through the whole thing and it's my turn to talk. And I'm just like, I can't. And he's like, why are you fucking laughing? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, we really got to cut that together. So that was hilarious. Well, it's just one take. You can just like put the whole take out there. Oh, and be amazing. Yeah. See. That's some good promotional yeah. video right there. Halfway through, my eyes glazed over and I went blind. Because <laughs> they were open for so long. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay, cool. This podcast is brought to you by Pippa. That's P-I-P-P-A dot I-O. Yeah. It's a podcast hosting service that I still haven't looked up the price to. <laughs> but I know it's cheap, like 9 or 12 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got unlimited uh, hosting. You can put as many episodes up as you want, unlike SoundCloud, where you cap out at three or thirty hours or whatever, and you gotta change servers to Pippa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got free transcripts. It's got a sniper tool where you can make little twenty-second sound gifts of what you've recorded, and yeah, they're great. I mean, you have anything, you just shoot them a message, they get right back to you right away. So yeah, definitely recommend them. Pippa.io. Do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening and. Get ready to see Cougar in our next film, Space Turtles in Space. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Ralston Film. Don't bother checking Facebook. We're there, but it sucks. Latif, where can people uh, find you? You can find me on Instagram at Latif underscore eight. And then you can find me on Facebook. And I also have a YouTube. Figure it out. You'll find me. <laughs> and you'll find me in a movie theater near you. Yeah, <laughs> romantic, sexy, electric. Alright, thanks for listening.